What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of the podcast appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so 
cannot stress the importance of those iTunes reviews, and it's why I tell you about it every episode. 300 plus episodes deep. I'm talking about it every time because it's still important. So whether this is your first time listening or your 200th time listening, it's never too late or too early to uh, take a few minutes and leave one of those reviews. If that feels daunting to you to uh, figure that out, then uh, there's other ways to help support. Just tell somebody about the show, share it on social media, share your favorite episode of the podcast, tell somebody about it. You know, any of those things help. Leave a comment on an Instagram post. Break the algorithm, you know? No one can really figure out what they're, uh, what they're doing or why they're trying to, to keep folks from, from seeing things, you know? Well, I, I mean, we know why they're, they're trying to keep people from seeing things, and that's so that you will spend money on their ads so that more people will see your things. So, you know, it's just part of, uh, it's part of the machine, and I cannot get this cable from underneath the stand. There we go. Now we're back in action. Um, but yeah. All of those things are helpful ways to support. If you're not listening on Apple, hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. I've been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify and Apple that you can find every first of the month. And those links are in the episode notes. Tell people about that. If you don't want to tell people about the podcast, tell them about the playlists that are coming out every first of the month. And just a couple of dates to remind you all about in the Portland area before we get into my chat with Seattle-based band Shimmer Traps. First off, this Friday, August 19th, I will be DJing on the patio at Satellite Tavern in North Portland from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. They've got DJs out there every Friday night now, and uh, yours truly will be doing the Ernie Moose DJ set over there on Friday come through for that and then a big one this sunday free event going on at produce row cafe a beat happening five-year anniversary it's from 4 p.m to 9 p.m it's going to be a killer showcase of talented beat makers and producers djs over there if you want to learn more about a beat happening tap into the instagram live chat i did yesterday with love jones that is on my Instagram at Dan Cable Presents and also tagged in the episode notes. But uh, that is this Sunday, 821. Stoked for that one. Lots of past guests of the cast on the lineup, including Love Jones, Free Tillman, Meltzer, Sherbert. Check out uh, check out those past episodes. I think Love Jones is like 188 or something along those lines. Some somewhere in there if you want to get the uh, the full rundown on on who Love Jones is and kind of get some more background on that beat happening. But it was nice to to catch up with him on the IG live yesterday and uh, just kind of give him some opportunity to to reflect on the last five years and what he thinks has made that a successful and and sustainable event. So I'm hyped for this Sunday to see. Some friends of mine perform as well as a bunch of folks that I do not know. So I'm excited to get exposed to some new music this weekend. And then finally, September 3rd, I'm throwing a show at Mississippi Pizza, the Atlantis Lounge for my homies in Harper's all the way from Salt Lake City. They're coming through and I really want to pack that one out for them so that they can have 
a rad Portland show. Lovely duo is opening that. Maurice and Honora, beautiful voices. That's going to be a nice way to open things up for Harper's. And uh, closing out the night is Rum River Colt. Stoked to have them on the bill as well. So that is September 3rd, and I'm going to keep hammering that thing into your head. Now, Shimmer Traps from Seattle, Washington. I connected with this band through my cousin Rob, or some of you might know as Bobby. He is the drummer for High Pulp. And I recently went up to Seattle to go hang out with some of the the High Pulp fam and also to record some podcasts up there in Seattle. And it was suggested to me from Cuzzo that I check out this band Shimmer Traps. And I had so much fun hanging with these dudes and chatting with them about their band. I love their look record. We talk about it quite a bit during the episode as far as you know, creation process and some of the songwriting behind it, but a very well put together, thoughtful record, I think, as far as uh, sequencing and just the way that it, it flows front to back is a very cool album listening experience, I think. But uh, I feel like early on in this podcast, I was making more trips to Seattle and including more Seattle artists on the, the cast regularly. So it was good to reconnect with that scene a bit and I hope I can make that a more regular part of the show again of uh getting up there and and banking a few episodes and on that trip I recorded a a couple other casts that will be coming at you soon including one with a band there called Small Paul who will be playing Portland in late September over at Mississippi Studios so that chat is coming at you soon as well but uh that look record from Shimmer Traps has got uh, quite a few bangers. So add these things to your playlist. And we talk about that record as well as the, the band dynamics, songwriting, creative freedom, and more in this uh, episode that you are about to get yourselves into. And this dude, Zach, the drummer of the band, reminded me so much of my homie Brayden who passed... Uh, I guess almost four years ago in September, which is is wild to to think that it's been a four year cycle. I guess four years seems significant. You know, I remember that feeling like such a long period of time during high school to to think back to those four years. But uh, yeah, something about Zach's spirit and his look and just the way that he talked reminded me so much of my buddy Braden Hamilton and uh, it was tripping me out in the best of ways and and made me really happy and I think it's weird how people can kind of have that effect on you even when they have no connection to this said person but uh, made me feel like I was uh, definitely in the right spot so uh, that was uh, a very cool elements of this one for me and these guys were all strangers and were just so welcoming to me and Kyle the bass player even hooked us all up with some ice cream sandwiches before we uh, got it going on that hot Seattle day but I'll put all of the links for shimmer traps in the episode notes as well so you can keep up with this band they've got two shows in the Seattle area coming up in the next couple months over at Chop Suey, one being next week on August 23rd, 
And the other is October 6th, which I will definitely be at the October 6th show as that is the closing show of a September run of shows that I will be out on the road with High Pulp once again doing the tour managing gig for them. Excited to be reunited with the gang at the end of uh, September. Those uh, dates kick off on September 19th, I believe, in L.A. So couple opportunities to catch shimmer traps in the seattle area if that is local to you and uh if you're a california person keep up with those high pulp dates and come say hello to me while i am traveling on the road with uh with the band and if you want to see some free music in the portland area on the regular every thursday night over at produce row from 7 p.m to 9 p.m. You can catch that J.C. Proof Jeff Chilton trio down there every first Thursday at Produce Row. And every Sunday they've got uh, DJs from noon to two spinning vinyl over there. All the links for the, the sponsors as well will also be in the episode notes. Can't say thank you enough to all those folks that continue to support this thing. And uh, we're going to get into it. Episode 321, Shimmer Traps from Seattle, Washington on the podcast. And we're going to kick the episode off with a track called Beta Club from that 2020 release look. Let's do the damn thing. I'm uh, yeah, stoked to chat with y'all. I've been listening to quite a bit of your, your music over the last uh, couple weeks, getting acquainted with that. Mostly, I would say I'm most familiar with the look 
record, but I went back and I also checked out Ozius. Is that the correct enunciation yeah. for that? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So I, I checked out, I checked out some of that as well. And, uh, just to like get some reference for like how the band has, has changed over time. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm curious to like start with what were you guys kind of doing maybe individually before starting shimmer traps and, uh, kind of getting into the, like this particular sound. I'm curious if that like goes back to other projects or if the, the stuff you all were doing before this was like a lot different music wise. Um, for me, it'll be, it'll be easy to start with me because I don't have much of a, yeah, that's fair. like music exploration phase until I moved up here. I just kind of played drums in Arizona and I didn't know too many bands my age down there. So it was just kind of like a solo endeavor at the time. You're playing like as a kid though? You're yeah, playing drums? Yeah, for sure. In high school. Yeah. Oh, but, um, but never really had much community for no, like actually getting to play with anybody? No, unfortunately not. No. I didn't even really know that that was a thing until I met Kyle really. But yeah, I, 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 I'd say I started recording stuff on my own like right before I met him. I'd say it was more rock based. Yeah, like I remember listening to like the OCs and stuff all the time and seemed like the easiest thing to play at the time. And then I go back and listen to him and I'm like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, were you, uh, were you ever messing with anything other than drums or was that like the uh, primary that, thing? About that time, I, sorry, fast forward to like freshman, sophomore year in college. Um, yeah, just like, I, I'd say mess around with guitar and keys not really knowing anything about them um but yeah it kind of evolved from drums at that point um but like playing with these dudes was like kind of the first time that you really got to experience playing with a band like consistently for sure yeah absolutely how did that uh like what was that adjustment like for you getting to actually like play with people because like what was your i don't know like what was your practice so like rough what was your practice like before <laughs> like getting to play with other people where you just usually jam into like records that yeah, you like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was the, I, I had a friend in high school that I would play with every once in a while in, in my garage, but, uh, he wasn't as quote unquote committed as I was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it just was really playing to records. Yeah. Did you ever have any other experience singing? before this band um no because i see you in the videos you know you're doing your thing back there oh, playing yeah, yeah. on the kit uh -huh. singing yeah yeah that's fun it'd be nice to phase that out eventually but, <laughs> uh, <maybe. laughs> do you do you not like that aspect of like doing that live i i do but i notice that i it's it's not as fun for me as just playing the drums it is fun but not as fun i like to just like play the drums real but yeah this project started i sang in this project out of necessity which i feel like is most bands yeah that's how we started you know uh, all of our recorded material that we started with was you singing sure uh, yeah and then that was i mean that's how we're gonna play it live you know yeah absolutely so. yeah. what about you kyle what were you doing before uh shimmer traps yeah i had played uh in a couple bands before uh mostly with my sibling al um we had played in a band called As It Starts uh, for a while. Uh, 
yeah, I drummed in that. Okay. It was kind of like yeah, Fleet Foxes ish and Ford's in the Machine, you know, kind of folks indie stuff. Was was drums also your first instrument then? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was my first like real instrument, and then I kind of played guitar after that. Were you just always interested in in writing songs then, and like started playing guitar kind of out of necessity yeah, for that? Totally. I mean, my my parents had just random instruments laying around the house when we were kids, and um, we just kind of played them not really thinking that it was you know like super cool or anything it was just fun to do and interesting to do and so you know we learned like covers of songs or whatever uh try to make up songs together like all three of us have, have an older brother as well and he played guitar and he's really good um but we'd just like jam mess around i played drums uh and i played i played like drums for real since i was like eight but like it always just kind of messed around with beats and stuff before that yeah, I don't know, it was fun. But uh, then Al and I, <clears throat> Al joined a, a real band as it starts as the singer for a bit, and they needed a, a drummer <clears throat> after he left. And so I drummed for that for, I don't know, probably a year or more. And funny enough, we actually competed in a, in a Seattle sound off. It's like a battle of the bands situation against uh, Ryan's band, uh, <laughs> Female Fiends. That's that was the first oh, time okay. I met him. Yeah. I remember Female Fiends. Like, is that is that still yeah. active at uh, all? Yeah, I, pl- I played drums in that band. Okay, all right. I remember hearing that name on on bills and whatnot. Yeah, you know? yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle, were you always uh, doing some sort of singing as well? Like, no, uh, I, I don't really sing much at all. I mean, I'd like to, you know, experiment with that more. But uh, no, in, in terms of projects I've been in, I, I haven't really sung at all. Uh, I played like drums pretty much exclusively until I met Zach. Yeah. I think the day I met you, actually, uh, you you walked into the room and our friend Taylor, who we were jamming with at the time, we didn't have... Was I air drumming? <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't. But you walked into the room and you were like, hey, I play drums. And I was like, well, all right, I'll play no, bass. No, no conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was, hey, I play drums. Also, I'm Zach. <laughs> I play drums and I will actually be playing yeah, drums. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was was uh, it pretty easy for you to, to hop over to, to bass? Um, I mean, I'll say it was easy to do. I don't know that sounded good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I had my, again, my parents had random instruments laying around and uh, my dad at some point had bought us an acoustic bass that I played around with a little bit. Uh, it was an easy transition from guitar. I liked playing like fingerstyle guitar, which transitions really well to bass. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, drums is rhythmic enough. So Yeah. So at least you have that as like your foundation for diving into the other part that contributes to Definitely. the to the rhythm yeah it was pretty fluid so yeah it worked out but I, I would say i've come a long way i was i was a really awful bass player in the beginning so it worked for the band we were in it wasn't this band but it was like more rock more rock yeah what about you uh brody what were you doing before shimmer traps so shimmer traps had actually put out uh an EP and Ozius before I had an even, or I guess Ozius hadn't quite come out yet, but all the recording had pretty much been done on Ozius. Uh, they were kind of like sitting on it before I even, I guess, moved to Washington. I was living in North Carolina and uh, originally I, I'm Canadian, so I, I just kind of missed, me and my family ended up moving back up um, to Bellingham, I guess, from from North Carolina just because it was, like, you know, as close as you can get to our Canadian family without, like, 
having to leave the country and all that stuff. So pretty much right when I got up into Bellingham, I was like looking for, like I had also really just wanted to get out of the area I was living in because like I had tried a few projects there and it just was like so hard to, the scene there wasn't like exactly what I was looking for. So pretty much as soon as I got up here, I was just kind of like, I wasn't really doing anything like solo strong. So I was just kind of like looking to join something. And it just so happened that like Shimmer Traps was kind of starting to put together like a live set. And I kind of just joined as really just a live member, I think in the beginning, kind of like uh, as a guitar player, because that's what I was mainly doing. And then, but I guess like right around the time of joining, I was really getting into synth and stuff too. So yeah, it's cool how it, it worked out. I got to, I, th- I think I got to track a couple guitar parts in post or was it guitar or synth? I think it was synth actually. I think it was synth. Yeah. I think you're on uh hamster hamster yeah mm-hmm. so i did get to and go. you're also on zap weirdly enough. yeah weirdly enough there was like a re-release of the ep and i think i have a guitar part on there but <laughs> so i actually was able to make it on every record after all but well, it uh, was it was exciting to have new members because it started with him and i and like kyle would like structure the songs and with bass and then he would leave the house and i would just have the bass and drums and then i'd be like i gotta add a bunch of other shit to this so whenever somebody else who knew how to play the instrument came along i'd be like you want to try something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that rec or that ep was out and then i like took it down and i was like do you want to come up with a lead for proxy and he's just like sure and i was like i think like the first thing he did i was like that's better than what i did so you're like deluxe edition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you uh you start playing guitar from a pretty young age then yeah i think i've played guitar since i was like i know i always wanted to play um pretty much any musical instrument i took piano lessons as a little kid and i didn't like the like i guess the work ethic that it took to get good at piano which is sad because i wish i would have now in hindsight like really stuck to it but do you, do you think any of that like landed with you to a point when you started getting into the sense that you at least had like some sort now, of foundation back, for it? Yeah, for sure. I think just like it was good to not like, I think if I hadn't have done that, I probably would have been one of those people that learns to play like without the thumb or something like that. And I think that like just proper finger formation is probably about the only thing I really took away from this <laughs> this farther like I feel like I mean that had to have been like I mean I was like yeah seven so literally like I probably stopped piano lessons like 19 years ago so I I really not a lot really stuck with me but I know from ever since kind of like that I wanted to like learn drums or like guitar and we my family just didn't really have like the means for it you know for a while and then uh, after moving to North Carolina, like my mom had gotten married to my stepdad down there and kind of finally we started having like, you know, he was able to like help me get my first guitar and stuff like that. So that was cool. And I basically, yeah, I think I started guitar in like seventh grade or something like that. 
Were you writing songs in those other projects that you talked about before, or were you more oh, just like a role player? Kind of both. So, yeah. like, one of the projects I was just kind of there as a live member. I think inevitably every project, like, even if I didn't, like, there was one project that was, like, I'd say my main project. It was the first project I ever, like, recorded in. Um, the first project I kind of really took seriously and tried to, like, you know, make something of, I guess. I was still so young though, like I was like, it was fresh out of high school, so I hadn't been hit with that like, you know, it's hard to play bars underage, yeah. you know, this yeah. is really hard type deal. So there was that one and then like I, I definitely tried to play live with another project that w that had older people in it after to see if maybe that would be like a better approach was like as a kid that young, like maybe just join a band with a bunch of older dudes and like... It was funny because I ended up, you know, helping write in that project too, but that wasn't really the intention either. I think that kind of just has happened periodically, but yeah. And singing was something you were doing in some of those projects too? In the ones that I fronted, yeah, always, but not in the, the band I toured with um, and played live with right before moving to Washington was like a instrumental post-rock band. So there were not really vocals. But yeah, it was fun. I played good. I never had played synth in any of the projects, so until um, moving up here. Yeah, and uh, did you get thrown into the singing pretty quickly with with these guys too? Ah, uh, relatively. What oh, do you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Relatively. We had a set in like what 2017 17 that was all the songs that I sang, uh, and then Brody would sing backup, uh, his harmonies and stuff. But then, yeah, when it came time to record the new stuff, I was like, it's all you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Ryan, what were you doing, uh, like, even before Female Fiends with music? I started playing drums when I was, like, pretty young. I think, a like, lot of school. drums. A lot of drums in the band. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> I'm and, just now, like, putting that together. And I, was, I wasn't actually planning on doing it for, like, super long. I just thought it was, like, kind of cool it was like a hobby i was like kind of into sports a lot but then my friend michael started like sharing music with me and i got really into like the strokes and arctic monkeys and i got really inspired and i was like okay if i can like play these songs i'm gonna make this more of a priority and then he wanted to start writing songs together um i was like mm, i don't know about song i just didn't ever consider writing songs yeah. and then i liked what we were doing and so we started taking it more seriously and then we got I had my brother play bass. He came along, he played bass. And that's kind of how Female Fiends got formed. But I, saw, I was also like learning guitar at that time too. Um, and helping with some of the guitar parts a little bit. But then I got like really fascinated with synth. Um, once we released a couple of EPs that were more guitar driven. Um, in the studio work we were working out of, there's like a ton of effects. And so like I wanted to just take that to the next level. But I didn't really like know anybody that really did synth a whole lot. And then so it was really cool when I met these guys. I started talking to Brody a lot about synths and kind of became friends that way. Yeah. So, Did you take to the guitar stuff pretty quickly then? Like once you did start helping writing parts with things like that? Yeah, I, I just started to pick up things here and there. I, I never really set out to learn it. Yeah. It just kind of became something that I... I just started to remember chords and stuff like that. And that's, uh, is that like, that's your primary role then in, in this band? Yeah, guitar. Synths and like guitar, guitar and, and stuff. Synth. Yeah. And, uh, 
I don't know for you, for y'all that that do play drums and are playing other instruments now. Like, do you uh, do you feel like having the understanding or like the foundation being the drums that that helps you like helps inform how you play all of those other instruments and leave space for things? Totally. Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm constantly watching what Zach is doing and, and trying to anticipate what he's going to do next to try to play with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and kind of thinking how I would play drums there. Yeah. I, that, I feel like that always indicates what I'm going to do with my hands on bass. So. And how did you, how did you two like, like get from, uh, you know, like doing this rock stuff like the little more rock geared stuff till it evolved into shimmer traps and the Ozius record. That's a good question. Well, I think the project that him and I were in, we didn't we didn't write any of the material in it, and I don't think we had at least in the beginning of that project had any like intention of writing material, I don't think. Maybe I should speak for myself. Yeah, but. I mean uh I think we were like we would do little little you know adjustments to things like, "Oh, what if I play like this or whatever." But yeah, there were another dude's songs entirely. Yeah. yeah. So I think Long story short, we were somewhat unhappy with how it was sounding, so we just decided to maybe kind of go the extreme opposite way, I'd say. Yeah, well, and and it was just the two of us, and so when we would kind of jam together live, because that was, at the moment, all we really had was, you know, him playing drums and me playing yeah. bass, and I was I was playing bass and guitar, uh, like looping one another, and so we'd, we'd kind of try to write songs that way. Uh, and then, you know, we were at the time, like in love with Y Oak, if you know that band, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and watching Andy stack, the drummer drum and play synths and, and mm-hmm. just be a powerhouse yeah. back there. That was really inspiring. It was the coolest thing. Yeah. In the beginning I was playing synth too with my left hand just, yeah, because of him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that was, uh, definitely the first step in that direction. Yeah. Were you guys kind of like building songs like in the box, like, absolutely. sort of speak? Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. like, uh, you know. It was like Y Oak was to what Zach was doing I would say L1011 was kind of what, what okay. to what I was doing I was playing guitar and bass and looping to mm-hmm. what he was playing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah that that was the time yeah when I was like in love with like yeah Y Oak for sure yeah. that that Shriek record is Great. so cool and I got to see them like a few times with that record and it was yeah that their that live moment for them was like definitely the inspiration behind this project. Well, that I mean, you you ended up. What was the first like piece of gear that wasn't drums or guitar that you got after that? I mean, you you got a bunch of stuff that I ended up using, but yeah, so well, I was too lazy and broke to buy anything. Yeah, uh, I think I got just like the microcorg. I think mm. um, so often, just something little like that seems yeah. to be like this catalyst for like if not like a record or a song, like an entire project. Totally. It was just like this like discovery of and this. And I, I just thing. funny enough got it back from my my brother had it for a while and my partner had it for a while and I finally have it back. And it's like covered in like I, I covered it in pink duct tape that smelled like cupcakes. <laughs> that was that was the thing. So that scent smelled like cupcakes for a long time. <laughs> but I finally have it back. So I'm like sort of messing around with it. It's super cool. It's so iconic. Yeah. Sometimes good, sometimes bad iconic, but it's like funny how yeah that was the piece of gear notable for sure is it still uh smell like cupcakes it doesn't unfortunately mm. 
<laughs> I have to go like re up the tape. <laughs> <laughs> but there was definitely like it seemed like y'all had some like framework though for like what you wanted the project to yeah. sound like in some way. Right. Then. Absolutely. Yeah. Just I guess realizing that I think right around the time we were starting it, I had just seen them play and they're like a two piece live even. Um and I was like, Oh, like we're a two piece. Like it's possible, you yeah. know. I thought the exact same thing of L ten eleven. Like there yeah. are two oh, yeah. pieces. Yeah. It's possible. Totally. And yeah, and we yeah. saw them in Bellingham. Yeah. That was super cool. Yeah. So were you writing all the lyrics then, Zach, for that, that first record? No, not all of them. Okay. I, I would mostly the the way we would do it was I would like just sing gibberish and either mm-hmm. write the lyrics or Kyle would take that gibberish and write lyrics. Um which is cool. It was fun. Had both of you had experience doing that prior to this project much? Not successfully. Yeah, not, <laughs> not like song lyrics, just like dumb poetry stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stuff I would never share with anybody. <laughs> ever. So what was that like then sharing it, even with Zach, like even these ideas? Like was that a pretty vulnerable thing or do you feel like the, like the lyrics are like... I don't know. To me, like listening to the music, not to like influence your answer, but listening to the music, it often feels like the vocals just play the role of another instrument opposed to like being necessarily like this centerpiece. So yeah, we've talked about that. Did that kind of like maybe relieve some of the vulnerability maybe that could have been wrapped yeah, up there wasn't in that? so much pressure on for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and I would definitely say for me, you know, you, uh, you speaking or singing gibberish and then, us writing lyrics to it like they didn't have to make a hundred percent cohesive sense and i always tried to make them make sense but in like a really abstract way Mm -hmm. Um, i almost always find meaning in whatever i write afterwards even if i'm like thinking in the moment like this is a stretch there's always a way to connect the words to one another so yeah i think in terms of the vulnerability i it's it was a long time ago but i think it was, you know, I don't... In a way it was, but I wasn't... Um, I mean, it was vulnerable because we were, like, sharing something new and, like, you know, putting your ability to be shot down, uh, you know, yeah. out on the table. And, you know, we shot down plenty of stuff. I wrote so many cringy things that didn't make the table, thank God. They were good for a laugh, though. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they made the final cut, yeah. <laughs> they did serve a purpose. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, vulnerable in that sense, like, you know, you're going to get ideas shot down and... Um, it was definitely learning for us and then talking about that later and be like, yeah, you have to be okay with getting ideas shut down. And this was a core principle of, of stuff we went forward with, you know? Yeah. The, like what you were, were kind of like wanting out of the project too, is just kind of like that honesty between the two of you, you yeah, like established that bond already to like kind of operate in that space. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So like, then Ozius just mostly you two then on like yeah, that and, created uh, that record together. Yeah, uh huh. It was largely him and I and our uh, past member Ian, who just moved to California. He, we met him at that time too, and he moved into our place. And I, I had him on a few songs guitar wise. Yeah, and he he was perfect for that. He was perfect for the project. But yeah, he he definitely shaped the sound of that record as well. He he would loop a lot of stuff on his DL4. And was it, uh, is that something you guys recorded yourselves then mm-hmm. also? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what was like the live show like prior to like Brody coming in 
and Ryan coming in? Like, were there were there shows where there was just like a duo? Or no, were, okay. we wanted to, uh, but no. Yeah, yeah, what was the, what was the first show we played? Shimmer traps, like it was it was with like uh, Brody, Ian, and Justin. Right, right. Oh, at uh, Shakedown, right? Yeah. One? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that was that the first ever show. Crazy. Yeah, we spent a long time being the band before we were ever the band in public. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we, at, when when we started recording that first EP, I think we definitely talked about just it being a recording project because we were like, we want to add so much to the, these songs, um, and obviously there are only two people. So after we recorded it, we were definitely like, okay, we got to play this live. So, yeah. yeah. I really like the... I like the title track off that record a lot. That's one of the ones oh, I... Ozius? Yeah. Oh, thank I you. I dig that one, like, yeah, quite a bit. That that one is, yeah, that one is one of my favorites that I've ever done. It's just about crabs. <laughs> the I animal. love I love crabs, the animal. <laughs> the animal. The crustacean. <laughs> Uh, there's some cool jams on that record that I dig um, and we'll we'll talk about look maybe a little more in depthly but I think there is like there's some like glimpses of like where it was gonna go in in some ways for sure um, but I don't know asking you earlier about even singing and drumming at the same time um, and how you would maybe like to to push off some of that that responsibility what was that like for you then not like ever really playing in a band and like your first shows then are you not only drumming but you like being the primary vocalist also i think it helped that i didn't have much experience nothing was informing me that that was going to be so hard until i started doing it and then at that point it was like i think literally what it was was like Kyle has a good voice. He just sings very quiet. And the songs we were writing were pretty loud. So yeah. it was like, it didn't quite work as like the focal point. Cause Kyle sings, you do have some like ethereal backup vocals on some of that, don't uh, you? Probably somewhere. I, I really don't remember. Sure. <laughs> and if any of it made it to the table, I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, I was always like. Well, you were, you were also very confident about it. Um, like, sure. you know, <clears throat> I, I do have a quiet voice, but you just kind of did it. Sure. Yeah. And it worked out whatever the first song was. So it just kept going from there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have really any experience singing before that. And that's why I think a lot of our songs are like pocket beats because it's just easier to play that way and sing. Yeah. I I cannot (laughs) play and sing at the same time. Bass, the stuff I'm playing, I can't play that. Yeah. Ozius, the song you just mentioned, that one, I remember when we started playing live, I was like, oh, I can't sing and play this. Um, it's way too hard. So like Brody was singing it and Justin was singing it or something for a few practices. And then I was like, let me just try it. And then it just randomly was able to do it. 
And I think that song, being able to sing that song live yeah, um, and play gave me the confidence to do it with whatever song we were playing. For sure. Just feel like you unlock something. A yeah, little bit. exactly. Yeah. Which is, that's the best feeling. Yeah, it's cool when you like achieve something like that where you have like some sort of discipline to like learn this thing and it finally like works and yeah. you're like, all right, you just gotta level get, up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just gotta like fall asleep and then wake up and then that that's how it works like learning drums in high school i was like i can't do this thing i'll never be able to do this thing and then i'd go to school think about it all day drive home and then try it and i'd be like oh shit i can do it that's how it works man was it was it hard in the beginning of the live shows to like figure out how to get the vocals to land in the right place being that there is so much like treatment or filters on the on the vocals lots of feedback yeah because <laughs> he kyle controls my vocal pedal okay. obviously because i can't um and why know, not <laughs> you can't play drums yeah, and I control your no. vocal pedal <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so any and still to this day anytime he tries to like affect my vocals and delay them it's just like just massive like cascading drums <laughs> but yeah, I think fitting them in, we are finally, I think, getting to a point because of Brody where it's like tasteful and nice and not just like overdoing the effects, you know? Yeah. Or, or an afterthought. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's how like a lot of the Ozius era, like I guess the our first kind of generation of shows like were very i remember like it was kind of like a wall of sound like we we vocals included we would drench even the backup ones just because it wasn't like easy to i don't know i think those early days i i think back on them a lot and like reverb was the thing like reverb's so cool so <laughs> there was no concept of like the just a little bit there w- it was either not on and it sucked or it was on all the way and it was cool at the time yeah and um i think that's why like definitely in like a lot of like our later stuff like you kind of see some of that reverb disappear because it's almost like the i don't know fashion kind of does that thing and i think internally it was just like all of a sudden like you fully get rid of it because it's like you're sick of hearing it and then then just sick of dealing with the problems yeah the problems it causes and all that and then i think just you know as of you know a year ago or something we're kind of circling back to like a little bit is good here and there and if you can control it that's awesome and then uh, yeah now we're you and i are both kind of controlling like when live like some of that those tails will like come in and then we can kind of just like cut it and not have it interrupting yeah or like making the drums like delay out of time and stuff yeah Yeah. i would assume that there just has to be some like attention to detail and like some focus on those things Mm -hmm. being that like the vocals do kind of play that role on the recorded material at least and like not that it needs to sound exactly like that live but i'm sure you don't want to like lose anything to the sense like where it feels like there's something missing to people like watching it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you come into the, the shimmer traps like a fan? Like was the Ozius was the Ozius record posted or it out? wasn't. Okay. No. Um, so I remember zap what the EP was like, and and then a few like one off like singles and stuff were on Bandcamp, but 
I actually, uh, Ian had, our guitar player had uh, put an ad on Craigslist for like two additional live members that needed to, that would be needed in order to like make it work live, I guess. And uh, I listened to it and I was just like stoked, you know? It was definitely what I feel like I had been kind of like looking for the whole, been looking for the whole time I was living in Charlotte. And um, people there just weren't really making that kind of music. And I was like, just immediately like, I really want to be in this project, you know? So I definitely was like a fan first. It was like a fan for a couple of weeks, but I was a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jaw hit it off like yeah. pretty quickly and just yeah. like became pretty easy for you to insert yourself into like the creative process. Obviously, like Zach was talking about how very quickly he was just like, you should play. Yeah, it was <laughs> wild. It was actually really crazy to me how quickly it all worked out. Like, cause we all lived in different place i guess you guys lived together kyle and zach lived together for at first but yeah then, like three years two years three years yeah um, but yeah i think we tried out so many people in that time and you were like the only person where it worked <laughs> which is crazy yeah and it not only <laughs> did it work it was like i remember like we jammed for a little bit and I just remember standing up and being yeah, like I remember you standing yeah you're up. in the band and then immediately being like oh shit I didn't like ask the other guys <laughs> if that was okay <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I figured you know it just worked um, but yeah no it was definitely right I think we at the time we were just looking for somebody who liked to like experiment a little bit and that was that was what was so cool to me too is it was like such a casual it was just sort of like they invited me to a practice and then didn't even tell me like what to play or whatever but just was like do something you know and i i think honestly like that is probably how i would want to go about doing it in the future if i were to ever do something like that because i feel like you just figure it all out right there doing it that way yeah. When you put somebody on the spot and you're For just real. like, yeah. do something. It doesn't have to be like a part that's in the song, but just you get to know like whether or not the person's ear is even kind of right for, for the whole thing. Right. Because you could have just been some massive shredder that was like very capable. They but you, told but me stories about... That's, that's what how all the tryouts <laughs> were before. There's some real funny ones, but yeah, there, it, was, it all had to do with shredding. Shredding. Yeah. Uh, we... It's funny. Yeah, we we talk about that in like amongst the high pulp gang of just like going to like some jazz jams and it often oh. often just becomes like who can play the most notes and it's like <laughs> yeah. that's not that cool, man. But. I dream about being able to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. It's like a blessing and a curse. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think you just sure. maybe it's justification, I don't know, for your abilities, but I, every, like multiple people playing simple parts together is really nice you know instead of it just being like chaos you know yeah i think that's probably what attributes to like maybe some of like the very vibey like catchy poppy shit that ends up on look too it's like the result of that is like leaving that space and nothing being too flashy but also keeping it very interesting throughout which is cool
how does Ryan insert himself into this, uh, become a part of uh, Shimmer Trust? Ryan's our newest addition. Yeah, we had mentioned, yeah, we had two other members that uh, have just since, like, Ian moved and uh, Justin's still up in Bellingham right now. And uh, we had another member that prepared with us, like, the whole like doing what Ryan's doing, like the whole pandemic, but just had like sort of a different career path workout right at the end. So we found ourselves after all that time kind of still needing at least, it'd be sick to have five people again, but we at least need that like fourth. So we had known Ryan from playing a show with that Mika Mika project he was talking about prior to all the COVID stuff. And, uh, I think Ryan, when Adam kind of left and we were trying to figure out who's the fastest person we could get that would blend well, it was kind of like a no brainer with Ryan. So just because like it needed to be somebody that could do both like guitar and synth interchangeably. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's like, I guess it lined up with you pretty well because it worked out but yeah 100 percent. that was back in march i'd say yeah i think i met them in like 2018 2019 and i was like really blown away with like what they were doing yeah and i like kept in touch um me and brody would play video games yeah we would talk pretty frequently it was honestly pretty casual whenever it was just like you think you'd be into that like playing with us yeah you were like yeah <laughs> and it worked yeah. out yeah because it got invited to do the Vansire tour yeah and so i was like yeah for sure 100 percent. that's something that definitely something i would want to do and i'd even kind of thought about that like throughout the years and stuff i guess i was like i bet someday that that'll Damn, come into contact really? wow yeah. that's crazy so you're like into it and like pretty familiar with like the look record yeah already yeah, like before yeah. jumping in and like were you uh were you excited or intimidated at all in like filling this auxiliary role or have you like been in projects where you feel like live you're you're playing guitar and synth and like kind of switching things up from time to time? I had been doing that for a while, but I, I definitely knew that I would have to like step it up and to fulfill that role. And so, yeah, it was just a more matter of like dedicating time. And I mean, it continually is that for sure. Yeah. Are you like switching back and forth between like live show wise? Will you switch off like guitar in? Yeah, synth? for sure. So does that also keep the, the live show pretty engaging for you? Yeah. You yeah. Like? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I was like really getting into it the last one we did this weekend. Yeah, it's a blast. <laughs> sure. And as far as the, do you guys think that like the look record came out a lot different just because like Brody was now in the band and you were building off the, like the three of you instead of, just you two totally like brody producing it like no knock on zach's production abilities but like brody had a, a different <laughs> he just gave me a dirty look <laughs> no brody had a, a, a different mindset you don't like that songs we, about crabs I, will, I love them i love crabs buddy but after 50 crab songs yeah. <laughs> the record is called ozius it's just about crabs <laughs> No, we did. We only wrote forty nine crap songs. No, uh, but you know, Brody bringing something completely new to the table that we didn't 
we hadn't really heard that yet, or maybe we'd heard it in other, you know, bigger bands that we looked up to, um, in, in terms of production, even play style, I guess. And all his wizardry about synthesis and all that was so new to us. We had no idea what he was talking about. It was new to me too, though, because <laughs> like that was kind of the first time that I had done any of that stuff. Could fooled us, but man. that was. <laughs> I don't want to say I like, I like. N- was cognizant of this the whole time but that's what made it so much fun is that none of us knew what we were doing and that's I think whether I was conscious of it or not at the time I can't remember I feel like you and I had talks about it but uh like giving the keys over to another person who didn't know what they're because it went from a we'll just say a drummer who was in the (laughs) driver's seat to someone who actually knows sort of what they're doing but just not enough to where it's like we can all just go at this full speed not really knowing what to do that was like the sweet spot for me and I kind of want to just continue to do that forever just like figuring out little bits more of information but not fully grasping anything yeah no it's really fun not knowing things yeah it is really fun and then (laughs) then happy accidents happen and then you learn like oh that's a cool trick yeah you make like those mistakes right become something that Uh were completely unintentional yeah no i think there's like definitely something to that like not having a full understanding of something and like the things you create out of that rather than like maybe like a music school or a classically trained person and people will talk about that that have like been through those processes where like sometimes it like really fucks with their creation process because it's like oh now i can't i can't get the rules out of my head if you like don't know the rules then you don't know that you're you know fucking with anything or throwing it out of balance yeah you almost have to put yourself in especially yeah like kind of like what Zach's talking about like as we go forward it's like now going into like the next record we'll we have the full understanding that was look essentially and everything before that and we're now going to have to kind of figure out creative ways of like putting ourselves in in the right I guess position to where we're like not super confident or not super like you know Comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just to like maintain a little bit of that spirit. But it's cool. Like, I feel like there's so many different ways you can do it. It'd be sick to have enough money to just like, because I mean, we've never, we've always done everything at home, but like, it could be even something like throw yourself into a fancy studio, just the four of us who have no idea what we're doing with outboard gear and just do that. You know, you could, there's like weird ways of like putting yourself in those positions like me learning synth was that like right. it was like this new thing for me that was like so exciting because i had like exhausted myself on guitar and everything so that really helped i think with the direction of look sort of
Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starters menu. That fry sauce, I don't know what it is, but it's banging. And in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports. And the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach, Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and beatmakers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beatmakers Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday and DJ Slim Gweenie every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to learn that it seems like, I don't know, kind of all of you were like, new to certain aspects of it so i'm sure that that's Mm -hmm. like where some of that spirit comes to yeah also where you're just like having fun with it and feel like you're around people that you want to like do that with and are comfortable doing that with because yeah like i was saying i think like look definitely feels like this more thought out thing for sure like it it's uh i don't know it's like pretty impressive to me like some of the it feels like there's this juxtaposition of like these very like poppy songs at times and like they're very upbeat and fun. And then like you, uh, you get into to something that is uh, maybe like as melodramatic and kind of like patient as uh, a song like uh like the slow burn of Stacy, like in juxtaposition to like this quick little burner and Ernie is like, I think that's cool. And like that shows like a lot of dynamic and like all this patience for this song, like Stacy to like develop over time and like all these, uh, subtle dynamics kind of building with it. Like, I think, I think those are like the moments that like I kind of found like most interesting and like the things I like looked forward to that it like had both of those things, these like super fun moments. And then these like, what the fuck moments and somehow it's like all feels important and like all the pieces are necessary to like make the, the fun songs fun and like, the fucking weird ones weird yeah i think that, that's we noticed that's that going so good to it. hear because yeah. that was that was exactly the intention i think i remember mm-hmm. fighting a little bit fighting might be a strong word but like there was a little bit of i had to do some convincing with brody because brody wrote stacy and i remember thinking like that has to be on the record because that doesn't sound like us yeah and i, I i'm and glad i to. had the i remember yeah being like it's not gonna fit right and it does like if you want to get like critical like maybe it doesn't fit but that what you were saying like the back and forth is great yeah i think it fits like in the context of the album listening to it front to back like i think what helped it for me was because it was originally just like a guitar song so just transposing it simply to like more of just like a very subtle synth almost borderline like electric piano sound 
just barely brought it more into the ballpark of the of the record yeah. and yeah even though it's like an outlier it definitely yeah does kind of like did end up fitting more but i remember we would we would all kind of start feeling like t- especially towards the end of the record i remember a very distinct moment where some of those like really poppy songs like i think we only had like m- maybe like two or three three of them out of out of everything and i remember it hitting a point after adding stacy where we were like we need a little bit more of that variety to kind of like yeah to kind of like make the record more mixtapey i guess and less more of a journey too yeah mm-hmm. so i remember then like right at the end there we just kind of like intentionally wrote songs to kind of like balance it more a little bit Did you did you all spend like a lot of time on the the sequencing then and seeing like where everything kind of fit together to to make it feel like those things could coexist? I I believe so. There was a lot of songs that you know, I think a lot of the time went into which songs do we just not entertain finishing because they wouldn't add to it in the way that we would want to add to it, and then which songs do we like right from scratch to fill the void that that took time right there at the end for sure there were definite songs that were started were like pretty soon into the recording process of that particular song like one of us would be like oh that goes right after this i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. you know which is probably a common thing but yeah that's how it went yeah there's just like a there's a lot of moments i i guess i look forward to like throughout look and just uh a lot of standout shit like as far as like when i was talking about maybe the vocals kind of just acting as another instrument and just kind of having them mass through like all these different filters like shutter view like mm-hmm. feels like it kind of nails that and and just like even going back to what you were talking about about like filling out the album like ernie is like that's like listening to a dj mix yeah sure yeah you know? totally which is yeah. fucking cool like all the different like turns that like something like that takes is that like something you all like participate in creating together is that kind of like one person we all did ernie ernie was a fun one for sure yeah that song was really fun because it was right at the end was it the last song yeah i think it was yeah second to last second to last i think horror was yeah technically last but ernie was like written after horror like we hadn't finished like mixing and fully recording but like the writing of ernie was like funny because it started out as i just wanted to try something new and i was like messing with auto-tune downstairs and um i forgot about that yeah, time when like made, i made this like stupid it sounded scene. like a drake song yeah. well, <laughs> but it was cool because we both liked it at yeah, first yeah brody and i were like ah uh, like kind of nervous about it, but like i think we should put this on and i remember kyle being like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> But then we finally were like, nah, no, let's no. turn it into like a fucked up. We yeah, kept DJ'd. the beat and then we scrapped the really shitty auto-tune vocals <laughs> and we 
we decided like to kind of eventually just use it as like even though it didn't end up being last on the record like that song was sort of our closer because it was like we we put samples from songs on that song that were like other songs that didn't make the cut so it was kind of a really like weirdly rewarding way of still sort of like songs that ended up just not making it that we really loved like just kind of teasing them or there was an early version of plume where i sing because we were trying to like figure out the vocal melody between zach and me and there's a version where i sing the chorus and like that's in there and it was cool to like find deep cuts of like shit that didn't actually make the cut and just throw it all into one song and do sort of like a weird yeah dj mix of yeah just this medley Mm -hmm. no that's a cool way to like use those other pieces yeah i like like quite do it again in the future i think that's like a really fun way to wrap it up something uh that you all play live we not yet yeah i'd love to i'd be rad to just like see how that yeah yeah songs like that are always the funnest we just kind of added like an instrumental thing to our set that resembles that song so we're definitely capable of it and i i think yeah probably in the near future we will play that song yeah is there ever like maybe even newer jams you're working on now or like going back to the look record is there stuff that was jammed out together in a room or was it always like pretty primarily like started like in a daw and like working off of some sort of like drum loop or like some initial like a synth idea i think primarily it was in the daw but there were a few moments i think jules was uh Jules you you had the the chords and we all too. oh yeah, yeah we all like would jam to that and that. but it was still like in the daw but we would all just like throw on input monitoring and just like play in the daw to like a click and try. okay but yeah primarily i think that the our we've done that method before where we'll like get out a phone and we've done it a lot where we will try and jam in a room together and like just write mm-hmm probably i'm I, I don't know that this is how like high pulp does it but i'd imagine some of that stuff has to come out of doing that yeah but like we haven't mastered that yet that's like really it's hard for us to get into that jazz brain of like everybody syncing up and like it not just being the same thing like the same loop over and over it's hard for us to kind of like yeah live get out of that yeah, so when you are playing new songs, does it feel like you're learning how to play them again after they've already been like kind of mm-hmm. put on a record totally. or like close to being yeah. finished? Yeah, that's the a funny byproduct of it for sure. And we're I mean we're we're pretty tempted to change things up to not on not only out of um, you know, not boredom of the songs we have, yeah. but you know, 
trying to see them in any light, but we've also definitely all grown as musicians and we're trying to like play the things we've learned, you know? Yeah. Does it feel like open-ended enough to like, maybe you're going to see like Ryan or Kyle, like starting a drum beat or something like maybe just like in the, in the writing room at least, you know, like absolutely for sure. Yeah. Drums. I, I think I've played most of them, but I think the general vibe is that anyone can play anything. Um, that's I think freed everyone up mentally to go into a recording session. Yeah, you know? yeah, and if everybody it sucks, has we thing. just tell them it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> yep. That's why I don't play drums. I'm afraid of Zach telling me it's. Brody's <laughs> ridiculously good at playing like drum samples with his you know four fingers. <laughs> it's like really good, and he can do like complex fills and shit it's but the moment it gets to the feet i'm like no you got the producer's (laughs) ear though at least hopefully (laughs) (laughs) and where's like shit out now like i know atrium is like the most recent Mm -hmm. single that y'all put out but is there uh is there a lot of current writing going on with ryan involved now or is it more just like still trying to figure out the live show implementing ryan into things and getting that dialed in it's both like i think we're i think we're at a point with the live set where we're wanting to get it past the 30 minute mark so we're like trying to learn some of those weirder songs like ernie and Mm. stuff um figure out how to like bring that to a live context and that takes way more work than the more like straightforward written songs on the record but i think it the same time like we're all aware like it's been a while since it's like come out like that came up i think just the pandemic made it feel like not like time was almost paused well we never i can i feel like i can speak for the three of us at least like we never really got to get it out of our systems up until recently like we we just did those six shows down the coast with vansire and that was the first time for me where I felt like, okay, I'm not like stuck on these songs anymore. And it Mm. sucks that it took that long, but it, that's just the way it went. And yeah. So writing new material, I think the turnaround went kind of slow for obvious reasons because we released it right when everything kind of shut down. So uh, I feel, I finally feel like the urge to write again. Yeah. Um, Cause there was a long period of time where it, it just was like, you know, like most musicians and creatives probably felt that sort of like lull in their, their, uh, motivation. But yeah. So there are a lot of things like on the table right now. It just was a matter of like the energy to write them. Yeah. There's some like breathing some new life into that, that project again yeah. though, since that you are finally like kind of getting to like showcase it a bit and play Absolutely. it live where it doesn't, <laughs> feel tired anymore yeah, just because you're such, stuck with it <laughs> yeah exactly it was such a good feeling what was that two weeks ago to not only play them live again but to play them at like six sold out shows i think they were all sold out that was the perfect way to sort of cap that off albeit two years later yeah, yeah. and ryan entering this in this situation like when you came in were you just trying to like nail all the parts that you heard on the record or were you also just kind of like i'm just going to bring whatever i think sounds the best to the song and hope that that is uh what works for it 
Like, what was your, your mentality? It was a little bit of both. Me and Brody had s- set some time aside to kind of like get in detail with the parts, get some patches to- together. But then some of the stuff changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like, like the outro and plume is not. Yeah, same. it almost has to. Like otherwise, yeah, kind of like even for us, like the moment you take the songs and make them live, like or a live playable version, it's like. You got to do, you you end up hitting those walls where it's like, if you don't want to be a band that just like hits play yeah. on a backing track, you got to get creative. And a lot of the times the only way to keep that fun is to kind of like reinvent it. But it's also cool with like a new member, like seeing what that person can, can do. Yeah. I think to, this project, because of how it worked out with Brody, I think it's like, when I talked to Brody about that time, he was surprised that Kyle and I were just like, why don't you like just take the reins on this next record? Oh, and just like given so much room to like create in this new thing. Right. Which I I think there was like a two week period or something where he just like, I don't think he believed us, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's so crazy. Like that, I mean, from my perspective, yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. But it worked out. I think that's like, how it doesn't work for everyone but like how somebody you know feels comfortable and going back to what you asked ryan like i love especially because i know how he is as a musician like i love being like why don't you just come up with something like it doesn't matter we'll know if it's right or not well it seems like that mentality is like also creating the environment where people are excited about it too where it's just like oh i get to also like let my voice be heard in this whether it's a little or a lot right. even though i've been in this band for two weeks and you've right. been in it since its inception yeah and that mentality is so freeing because you, you realize at least for me like i don't care if what i do just like losing the ego i guess is we i always say we we talked more than we recorded during look you know just just about where everyone's heads were at i know that sounds dumb maybe it's not but it really worked for us and like i'd rather somebody be stoked than have a part that i feel like needs to be there you know it just doesn't make sense to me after experiencing it that way you know yeah letting somebody sort of explore something or letting somebody feel like it's their song too and not just like playing it, playing what somebody else wrote, you know? So, Yeah, I think that's what, what makes it cool, what makes it special. And I think you you start making like the best kind of art when you start having like that mentality of like, all right, I don't need to have my initial idea in this and maybe it wasn't the best idea. And when you have like people around you that you kind of like trust to call you out on those things or, you know. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is, like, it works when you do it the way that, like, they kind of have, where it's, like, it was, like, I fully could do whatever I wanted in terms of, like, bringing stuff to the the table, but it's, like, I think what differs it from just, like, throwing a bunch of people together in a room and seeing what they come up with is, like, is, like, everybody in the room being... um, very very loose and just like you can take that like you know if not everybody's stoked not a single one of us really for the most every now and then there might be some weird thing where you have to kind of like 
get the person to sort of come around to why something you did was cool. But like, yeah, being able to just like take the like, okay, uh, maybe you guys like that sucks, you know, like that. It's a very real thing. Just being able to like with any one of us, like we've all gotten super comfortable with just being able to take the punch of like, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but if you can get past that, it's so easy yeah. to work. It's or just so knowing that like, I mean, we've talked about like, if I say I don't like that, but for whatever, and this might've happened once or twice, but if I say I don't like something and you're like, no, trust me, this needs to be there, then I should be like, all right, trust yeah. you. You know, just building trust that way mm-hmm. was, was important. Yeah, it somehow always just works out when it's... When when the, you have that in your head, yeah, that it's yeah. going to be, you know, like, it's like a safe space, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you want to call it. Well, I think, I mean, what you maybe called dumb earlier, I think that's where that communication is, like, sure. important. You mm-hmm. know, like, when you are having those conversations consistently, I think that's, like, that breeds a bit of that environment, too. And, like, yeah, just, like the fact that you felt like you could do anything mm-hmm. like then it's not like any of your ideas are being like oppressed. So then yeah. you probably respect that creative space you have right. rather than like wanting to like just fucking walk all over everything. You want yeah. like, you want to serve the song. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it, serving the song. It makes you thing. passionate about it for sure. And like, like we said, like whenever <laughs> we originally liked the weird auto tune stuff and like, Kyle convinced us it wasn't right, and we eventually definitely heard that it wasn't right. <laughs> we just needed a second. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely have played some really dumb shit too, and I like the the best. The yeah, stuff you I have. Most, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think the best stuff I've ever done personally, or like you know, the stuff I'm most proud of, I think was like with you guys or Ian included and Justin too, like in that room or any, any room we've been in, like, you know, you guys kind of there to like shave off the other ugly parts or, you know, redirect my brain or vice versa. Like it, I feel like such good work comes out of that. And yeah, like you said, it really serves the song or serves the greater purpose we're trying to do. I think Ryan really fits into that. Like we're, we're learning pretty quickly that, you know, you, you kind of also don't bring much of an ego the yeah, table very selfless yeah yeah and it's like you know we can we can say like uh, or or not say anything at all during a part and like all of a sudden i'm kind of paying attention to what he's playing I'm like oh that's great how about try like this this or whatever and like he'll add on his his interpretation of what i said and, and it's you know he's great it really fits into that mindset very well i was curious how you all picked the artist that did the remixes to look I mean, they're all artists that we, we like, obviously. Or just, yeah, like how that kind of like came about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you could argue some of our songs sound like remixes just because of in the way they're produced. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think we we're just thinking like like most remix releases, we, we'd love to hear them in a different light. I think probably also because we were sitting on them for two years for that sure. probably uh feeded that that need yeah i think it was most of the people honestly everybody that did a remix was like also like a friend of the project we had reached out to a couple of people that we were just like it'd be sick if you could do this we yeah. really like your work that we didn't really know yeah but funny enough those 
people it didn't end up working out with and it wasn't even like they were literally like working on them but it just kind of ended up the the ironically or coincidentally the people that we didn't really know super well just like didn't didn't weren't able to make the deadline or make the time for it but so everybody that is did do a remix like is are all like friends of the the project you know yeah did hearing those versions at all make you think about the songs differently or like even maybe how you could play them live yeah at all? i'll keep saying that my my brother did the uh, remix for horror and the Kalalili Motel. Yeah, the Kalalili Motel okay. remix. And ever since hearing his remix, and it was cool because like I never heard a single remix, not even my brother's. I like made sure to not listen to it until it was done because I didn't want any of like my voice being put into it at all. Um, but yeah, hearing it back, I remember probably for like honestly, even to this day, every now and then, if I've like thought about his remix or like it's entered my brain at all the next time we go to play horror it gets to this one spot where like i always wish we could like right at that spot do this thing that his remix did because it's like really funky and um yeah no it does it makes you think about songs in a different way for sure but that's a very specific example that i experience pretty regularly well i appreciate y'all uh taking the time to chat with me it's been cool to get to know like where the where the tunes come from because like i said i just think the the look album is is very cool and i think there's like some very clear choices like we were talking about with stacy and and maybe even like i want to play the episode out with horror but you know thinking about uh the the track leaving the dizzy setting oh, yeah. like I don't know, like, that's a track that I think is, like, very thought-provoking and very cinematic in the way that it was, like, put together. And that's, like, another one of those moments where it's, like, oh, what the fuck is happening here? And then we're, and then we're like, back into, like, the vibey pop music that, like, I have a, I've only been, you know, familiar with y'all for, like, a, a few weeks now. But I've been, uh, I've been throwing some of your, some of your tunes in my my digital dj crates i do some djing um and like i want to play it out with horror because that's definitely like a track that like i'm djing this sunday and that will like i'm sure that will be in the rotation and there's like a few other tracks like the the self-titled track look Mm -hmm. is like a very cool transition track to like throw in any dj set i did it like the other day and i was just like oh this is yeah this is a vibe so i appreciate like that aspect of your your music that it can be like it can be listened to in the background and, and kind of like as just like a vibe setter. But also if you listen to it front to back, then like you do get that experience of all those like other weird tracks that are peppered in there. And like some of the like cool vocal samples, like mm-hmm. samplings kind of like happening with like the laughing happening. I think that's in like in plume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, like that's another like really cool moment. So I think it's just like this record that's full of like, these cool moments to look forward to, which I thought was like the big growth point between like that and Ozius. And Absolutely. yeah, it just seemed like there was some, some clear different jumping off points this time around. So I'm, I'm stoked to stoked to hear what y'all like cook up next after, you know, after you get to like play this record out a little bit more and, you know, get Ryan a little more into the, mm-hmm. the groove of things. Um, but yeah, 
I'll, I'll definitely put all the links in the episode notes so people can, uh, keep up with, uh, shimmer traps and uh we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline of the show which is it's a program it means absolutely nothing it's just the way that my grandfather says the the news program he always <laughs> says program program uh so yeah if we can get the the shimmer traps yeah. it's a program then we can uh, properly sail this thing out you can do it however you would like one two it's a, it's a program. program. They know that everybody has <laughs> shimmer traps from Seattle, Washington. And uh, those links will be in the episode notes. We are playing it out with horror. If you dig what you hear, you know, throw throw these dudes on uh, on your, your favorite playlist for the summer. They got some good summertime bangers for you. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Seattle, Portland, wherever you are listening from. Just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices 
even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to DistroKid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.